Hey, hey, this is Coach AA, and welcome to the August 15th edition. Let's get right into it. The first post is titled, Is Sitting the New Smoking? This is just perfect clickbait, right? What was uh, the worst offender to previous generations? has shifted to, well, us sitting around, apparently. Is it true? Or is it a load of crap? Well, like most things, it is something in between. Now, let's question where this comes from. Like, Why are we so worried about sitting? Well, it starts with a contrast. Did our forefathers, and for this it means we have to go back hundreds of thousands of years and not just 100 years because our bodies evolutionarily are still, say, stuck in the hunter-gatherer stage. So the assumption is that early man was constantly active, didn't sit much, and were reasonably lean and healthy. And today, while physical evolution is much slower, cultural evolution is, well, so much quicker that most of us sit. As kids, you sit at a desk, So you're trained to sit at a desk in college and go sit at a desk at work. And you sit and watch TV, you sit and eat lunch, you sit most of the time. And the correlation is, well, disease levels today are extraordinarily high. So sitting is the new smoking. (laughs) Not that direct. Correlation is not causation. So let's verify this assumption. And if we can reframe the problem, we get a little closer to the truth. Now, hunter-gatherers did sit a reasonable amount, but not as much as we did. They also had a lot more activity during the day. They did very short duration, uh, but less than half an hour of intense activity and a couple of hours of moderate activity and even more hours of light activity. Say carrying water, prepping food, walking and going on a hunt, a few sprints here and there, that kind of stuff. And they did do a lot of work sitting. But here's the primary difference. They did not sit for extended periods of time. That is, they did not sit for four hours at a desk between, say, breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner or anything like that. They 
were also reasonably physically active for portions of this seated endeavors. So sitting and digging, sitting and chopping wood, that kind of stuff. So let's reframe this problem as one, it is not sitting alone, but it is sitting for extended periods of time and related to it is the amount of activity we have during our day which is abysmally low. These are two modern day problems that we have. Now what about poor posture? Isn't that the reason a lot of us have aches and pains today? And isn't this poor posture because of sitting? Well, yes and no. Poor posture, I think, is a consequence of a lot of things. Starting with poor breathing, in fact. If we are chest breathers as opposed to diaphragmatic breathers, we are not using our deep abdominals enough. If you don't use your deep abdominals enough, your spinal musculature and deep abdominal musculature, the muscles around the spine in the front and the back don't work as well. And if they don't work, well, you tend to round your lower back and you tend to slouch a lot. The other thing is, because we are all reasonably inactive and weak, our back muscles, the muscles that give us good posture, are not strong. So poor posture comes back to not having strength in the right muscles in the first place. And so when we sit, and even when you try to sit tall, well, your muscles weaken over time. You know, five minutes later, you're slouched. So all of this kind of comes back to not just sitting, which is a cultural issue, but extended periods of sitting and lack of activity during our day. So what can you do about it? Well, first up, try not to sit for extended periods of time. I personally like to use a uh, Pomodoro method. Uh, you run a timer for 25 minutes and then for five minutes you get to relax. Unfortunately, most of the time I'm on Reddit or something like that. But when my sensibilities are higher, I just use it to do some rocking and some resets or some stretching. It takes you know, a couple of minutes only. The other thing is enough strength and mobility work. Can your joints express themselves fully? Can you say, for example, squat as to grass without pain? Don't worry about load or anything. Just you, your body weight. Can you squat? And of course, then you build some strength. You want your glutes to be strong. You want your back, your core, and all that to work. So when they do work and these, when these muscles are stronger, when you sit for the 25 minutes or the hour, you can try to sit in good posture. The muscles don't fatigue and make you slouch. Having a hobby that involves moderate or light activity 
for longer durations is awesome. Because think about it, we're essentially trying to emulate good habits that lead to better health and longevity. And that is moving about for long durations with some intense activity thrown in. So gardening, for example, is a great activity. I don't do this. I have no idea about gardening. I just prefer to walk around my house, but uh, spoken to friends and students who garden and uh, I think it's a great, great, great idea. And of course, lift weights. Have one bout of intense activity daily or at least every other day. Strength and conditioning, for example, is what I do. So these are all potential solutions. It's not one or the other. It's got to be a combo of all of them. And wanted to talk about standing desks as well while we're at it. Removing your work desk, removing your chair, and moving to a standing desk will not solve the answer, which you should know by now, because if you're standing and not really moving around, well, instead of your hips or your glutes or your low back tightening up, well, your calves are going to tighten up from extended standing. It's the moving about that we need, right? So a standing desk doesn't solve it. Uh, those treadmill-based desks, for example, might, but a standing desk uh, will not solve this problem. Well, that's the first piece. Let's go on to three quotes for today, starting with Stephen Pressfield. There's no mystery to turning pro. It's a decision brought about by an act of will. We make up our mind to view ourselves as pros, and we do it. Simple as that. End quote. So Pressfield talks about being an amateur versus being a pro. And... It is as simple as flipping a switch in your head on how you think of yourself, how you frame yourself. Of course, then the actions that follow, but all of this is built on this framing. What would a professional do? What would an amateur do? An amateur waits for inspiration. A professional does not wait for inspiration. A professional does the work. And as much as I've been reading and writing about these things, just want to make it clear. I'm nowhere close to being a pro all the time. It is a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a slog. And I suck more often than not. But over the past 12 months, I've gotten a few more repetitions, right? Than I have in the 12 months before that. And I want to take encouragement from that. Maybe... That's the start. Maybe that's all there is. Just one rep at a time and more reps every year. The second quote from Bruce Lee. If you think a thing is impossible, you will make it impossible. Pessimism blunts the tools you need to succeed. End quote. This one sounds pretty simple and powerful, but it only raises more questions personally 
how does one differentiate between blind faith, confidence, and pessimism? How does one have the confidence to push through? And when do you know that's a dumb thing to do? And when do you call it quits? What's the line between confidence and arrogance? I don't know. So let's go on to the last quote by Heraclitus. Sound thinking is to listen well and choose one course of action. End quote. For a chronic overthinker like me, the standard advice here is to pick one course of action. And building on from the Bruce Lee quote, remove pessimism. You know, just keep chugging along. Confusion reigns when I second guess and when I don't make a decision, even after all the facts are assembled. Yeah, there's, there are no more facts. You got to make a call with this. Well, make a call. No amount of wishing for it to be the right call helps. Instead, make a call and figure out how to make it work. That's the second piece. The last one. These are a couple of clarifications I wrote on earlier posts. Um, the first one is about absolute strength and if it is unnecessary. This is on further reading of my kettlebell post where I seem to discourage barbells and heavy strength work and I wanted to clarify. Here's the deal, the younger you are, and let's define young as you're not yet 30. The younger you are, the more you can do, okay? You have a lot more time, bandwidth, and freedom to play around. Your body recovers faster. Your physical and mental conditioning has not peaked. You still can push yourself quite a bit more, and you probably also have a lot more time on your hands. So, take a couple of years, lift barbells, get as strong as you can. Then, take a couple of years, do some kettlebell work. Get strong, get skilled with the kettlebells. Couple of years, calisthenics. Now, of course, you can mix and match, you can do barbells and calisthenics, kettlebells and calisthenics, blah, blah, blah. But my advice, and this is the advice I would give uh, myself 15 years ago, is pick one, pre get pretty darn good at it. Of course, you can dabble at other things, but don't forget, get really good at the one thing you're working on. You have a lot more time than you think. So, you can and you should absolutely get strong because after 30, the ease of doing this reduces and the downside of getting it wrong increases. So build muscle, get strong, figure out uh, as many of these skills as you can and you can harvest them for the rest of your life. For those of us who are starting off with fitness above 30 or, well, You've already started with fitness, but you're now above 30. Now you just harvest what you have. You build on the strength that's already there. Doesn't mean you can't learn new skills. None of that. 
I just mean absolute strength as a goal that is lifting really heavy is not so necessary or forgiving for most of us. So let's segue into the second part, which is, but how much strength do you actually need? Well, for health and longevity, not much at all. Okay, so let me be clear. Even the strong enough stuff that I've detailed are the amount of strength and skills you need to do with kettlebells are unnecessary for most of you. Now, on the path of mastery, you can pick so many paths, so many different tools. Strength training is one. Martial arts, another. Running, yet another. Gardening, another. They're not mutually exclusive. You can, of course, do more than one. But these kind of weights or lifting heavy weights comes into play only if you're taking this strength training a little more seriously, meaning you want to master the skill, you want to get rather good at it because you find joy in it. If you are just looking to reap some of the benefits of strength work, the amount of time you need to put in is so much lesser. You know, Goblet squat, 24 kilos, press 16 kilos, deadlift your body weight, that kind of stuff is ample and then some. And it's a lot more accessible than you might think. It's ridiculously less time that you need to invest. Six months with a good coach and for health and longevity, you will have all the skills that you need. Now, a lot of us like to dive deep. And if you dive deep, then how deep should you go? Well, strong enough. Those are some standards I've set based on a bunch of data over the past 10 years. And just want to tell you, to be absolutely clear, strength is great. Strength builds resilience. You need muscle, you need strength, but how much is a lot lesser or a lot more depending on your goals and your personal skill. So the right answer is it depends. Well, that's that. You go ahead and have a great Sunday and I will see you here next weekend. Bye-bye. This is Coach AA signing off.